Happy New Year! Welcome to Church Online for January 1st, 2023. So glad that you're able to join us here and so thankful to have each and every one of you join us here online for church today. We wanted to give you an opportunity, whether you are, whether you're single, you live alone, or you have a family, wanted to give you the opportunity today to spend some time with your family and still get a message from the Word of God that would encourage you, inspire you, and help you move forward in your faith. Because we want you to be able to take your next step with Jesus, no matter what that step is. Whether you know Him or not, whether you believe in Him or not, wherever you are on your journey here at North Shore Church, we want to help you on your faith journey to discover all that God has for your life. And so we want to do that together by showing you God's love and by experiencing His presence together. And so we know that the Spirit of God is everywhere always. And so we invite today Holy Spirit to come right into your home or to wherever you're watching or listening to this broadcast from today. We trust that God will meet you wherever you are, that he will meet your needs, whatever they may be, and we will get to celebrate his faithfulness, his goodness, and his grace together here online. So thankful that you get to join us for this time together, and let's pray, and we will invite Holy Spirit now. Would you join me in prayer today? And if you want to close your eyes, or you can keep them open, doesn't matter, but would you just take a posture, whatever that needs to be, if you need to raise your hands or, or close your eyes, just as a moment of, of quietness and stillness before God, and would you say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come to this place where I am right now. God, I thank you for 2022. I thank you for everything that you've carried us through, everything that you have blessed us with, everything that you have provided. Lord, for the healing that has taken place, Lord, we praise you and thank you. God, we look to 2023 with hope today. Holy Spirit, as you come to this place, as you come to my room where I am right now, Lord, I I pray that you fill me with hope, fill me with vision to see Lord, your goodness once again. To see your faithfulness clear as day, oh God. I pray, Holy Spirit, my heart would be ready. My head would be ready. You would give us ears to hear what you are saying, Holy Spirit, through your word today. As we move forward in the plans and purposes and call you've placed on each and every one of our lives. We thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for taking this opportunity to invite Jesus into your home and to join us here online at North Shore Church. If we've never met before, my name is Gary. I'm the lead pastor here at North Shore Church. My wife, Elizabeth, she is also a credentialed minister, and so we call her Pastor Elizabeth, or sometimes just Elizabeth. And our very own Katie Cochran is our assistant pastor who looks after our youth and our kids. And we'd invite you to get to know us just a little bit more. If you've never met us before, uh, go ahead and just put something in the comments right now or follow the link that says uh, to our website, thenorthshore.church, and you'll see a little thing that'll pop up that says, says, hey, uh, I'm new or um, I want to I want to connect. You'll see the little thing that pops up there. And uh, we would just love to take the opportunity to get to know you a little bit more. But check out our website. Get to know us as we get to know you. Now, today, I want to leave you with a couple thoughts as we say goodbye to 22 and say hello to 2023. Now, of course, this is the first day of the year. And the last four or five weeks or so here at North Shore Church, We've been talking about traveling light this Christmas, letting go of the things that distract us, things that make us bitter, things that take us away and take our focus off the presence of God and take us off the presence of Jesus in our lives. The things that throw us off course in our faith. We want to let go of those things so that we can move forward and take a next step lightly in our faith. Now, one week that really hit home was we talked about Letting go of bitterness. Now, this one was a really important message in this series. Probably one of the most powerful, strategically placed messages. And I've heard from a few of you of how this particular message influenced your life. And if you want to go back and listen to it or watch it or participate in it again, or maybe you didn't get to be a part of it, head back to, I think, December the 18th on our website, thenorthshore.church/media, and you will see You can even just type in the little search bar. You'll see the magnifying glass on the website, letting go of bitterness. And you can listen to that message again. But here is the verse from Hebrews 12 that we talked about. It said, make every effort to live in peace 
with not just your spouse, not just your family, but with everyone and to be holy. See to it that no one fails, no one falls short of the glory of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, this is words that are worth listening to. Make every effort. How many of us know people that don't make a very good effort at all? Some of you are, maybe that's you. Maybe you work with someone like that. But you, as a follower of Jesus or someone on a faith journey today, I encourage you, I implore with you, make every effort to live in peace. That's the short of living, uh, letting go of bitterness. That's the short of that message. And remember this. As we move forward today, you cannot control what people do, but you can control how you respond. Now, 2020 has come to a close and some of us, we can't wait to slam the door on this year. I've seen some of the Facebook posts. I've seen some of your posts if you're watching today. And how do you know? It doesn't matter. I've seen some of them. And I've seen you just can't wait to get rid of 2022 and just jump into a new year. You're ready to, to turn the page. You're ready for a new chapter. Things didn't go the way that you planned. You say, I need a fresh start. New year, new season, new calendar seems to make a good reason to start something new. Maybe you're on the other side of that page or the other side of that coin and you say, hey, you know what? 2022 was actually a really good year for me and I really want to live in this moment. I kind of, I want to hold on to it. I don't want to move forward because I'm really comfortable where I am. And that could be you. If that is you today, this message is also for you. Now, some of you, you may not care at all. You would say, hey, it's not a big deal. New Year's, big whoop. All that changes is the calendar and the date that I have to write down every time I write down a date. And we all know for the next month and a half, two months, three months, four months, even for the next six months, we're probably still going to write 2022 when we have to write down the date. But what's the big deal? It's just a calendar change anywhere. Well, I don't know where you stand today. Whether you're on either side of the fence or somewhere in between, one thing is for certain. You cannot change the past. Like today, or this week rather, I hurt my finger, kind of just pinched it right to, I better be careful how I turn that finger around. I, I pinched it when I was working on my plow and my quad, shoveling out and, and plowing all of that snow that we got this past week. And I, I pinched that really good and I jumped up and down. I did not swear, but I did yell out some loud oohs and ahs and some person was turning around in my back driveway and they, they just as I like did it and jumped up and started like dancing, they kind of just looked at me funny through their windshield and I was hurting in pain and then I was really embarrassed that they saw me. So if that was you, like that's what was going on. That wasn't just like full of the spirit suddenly. No, I hurt myself and I was jumping around like crazy. But I wish I could go back and do it differently and take that moment back because that really hurts. And even typing up my notes for this message today, it hurt my finger. Just, you know, one of those little things I'd love to go back and change. Funny little story, right, that you probably would look at and go, oh yeah, there goes Gary again. Yeah, he did it again, did something silly, something ridiculous happened. But for some of us, and this is where we get serious, for some of us, the past really isn't funny at all. Sometimes we know that the past doesn't always stay in the past. Maybe for you, it's a problem you have with your temper and you said some things to some people you love that you wish you could take back, but they're never going to forget. Or maybe you're saying, hey, I just have this ongoing cycle, this ongoing pattern of sin in my life. I keep saying, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't do it again. And then you do. Or maybe, maybe life just didn't turn out the way that you expected it. Maybe you, you a couple of years ago, you, you had this beautiful picture in mind of what life would look like, what your world would look like, and, and things just have not gone your way. And every time you look in the mirror, every time you see your bank account balance, every time you, you, you look at the same old house and kitchen and, and whatever, whatever fill-in-the-blank thing is there, you think, man, life just didn't turn out the way that I planned it and not in a good way. Because the past doesn't always stay in the past. It's almost like a door that you see that you can't walk back through, but somehow it stays open and there's a cold, bitter winter breeze flowing into the house. 
Can't close it, you can't go back. So what are we gonna do to let go of that past that keeps knocking on the door, that keeps showing up even when we don't want it to? And this is where we're talking about today, of letting go of our past. Now, this is obviously a little bit of a different message. And at the end of it, we're going to have some, some questions there on the screen that you can take some time and you can answer those questions on your own. You can answer them together in your group if you're with your family today. Or maybe you just want to ponder them and think about them. And we're going to do something maybe that's a little bit different. And you're welcome to put some of your answers even in the chat as we talk today. Which is kind of the cool thing about online church and this and that. And unlike the video that you're watching, you aren't going to be able to rewind. You're not going to be able to, to, to pause life. You're not going to be able to, to put everything on hold. And you can't even fast forward, even if you want to fast forward through this message. It's the way it is. But we can't go back and change the past. And there's one person in the Bible that I think is important for us to get to know a little bit more if we haven't learned about him already. About someone who certainly wanted to go back and change the past. And his name was Peter, and he was one of Jesus's closest followers. Now, I've talked about Peter. In fact, it was the very first week of this series. We mentioned Peter's name. And you're saying, Gary, do you mean the Peter that, that walked on water? He put his eyes on Jesus and focused on him, jumped out of the boat and walked on water? Yes, that is the Peter I'm talking about. No, that's not the moment he wanted to go and change, other than maybe the fact that he took his eyes off Jesus and started sinking and needed to be saved. But we're talking about an experience he had just a short time later. And you can find the story that I'm about to share with you in Luke chapter 22, around verse 60 or so. And this is, this is how the story essentially goes. Jesus is sitting with his disciples. And he shares with them everything that he's about to go through. The hardships that he's about to go through. It's the night of the Last Supper. And Jesus shares with them. He says to Peter in particular, he says, You are going to deny me three times. And when the rooster crows, you will remember these words. And Peter says, Lord, I will never deny you. I will never, no, even if I have to stare death in the eyes, I will never deny you. What did we learn? A few short hours later, Peter has this moment and Jesus is crucified. He's, or he's going to be crucified. He's on trial and he's the one that's being accused of all of these things. And Peter is kind of run away and scattered like much of the other disciples have. And he sits there and, and someone comes up to him and they're warming their hands up by a fire. And she says, hey, aren't you one of, aren't you that guy that was with Jesus? And he says, no, I am not one of them. You must have me mistaken for somebody else. And another person comes along and says, no, you are that guy. I've seen you with that guy that's on trial before. And he says, no, that's not me. I have no idea who you're talking about. And he's getting upset and he's getting angry and he's trying to hide who he is. And the third guy, third person comes up and says, no, I know for sure I saw you with Jesus when he did this miracle and that miracle. And I, I saw you when you were with him, when he fed all of those people and he raised those people to life that were dead and all of these things. And finally, Peter jumps up and he curses and he says, I am not this person. And he storms off and he gets angry. Now, it's, it's always fascinating when I mean, it's kind of a side note here. Look, distraction. Always this interesting side note in this part where he curses and he swears. And sometimes people have asked, what's the big deal with swearing? Why, why is it such a, such a bad thing? And well, the thing about swearing is it's, it's this disassociation with all things holy. It's a disassociation of the things of God. It's a disassociation in this case saying, look, I am clearly not a follower of Jesus because of the words coming out of my mouth. And that's kind of Peter's attitude in this moment. And so that's just kind of a fun side note there just to kind of chew on for another time. But it's the one thing that always stands out to me in this particular story. But in that moment, this is what the Bible says in Luke twenty-two sixty. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was speaking these words, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. And you will deny that you even know me three times. Peter left the courtyard weeping 
bitterly. Peter said he didn't even know him. And in this moment, as the rooster crows, the next day comes, he remembers the words of Jesus to him after he has now miserably failed. Peter feels a number of things, three things in particular in this moment that maybe you can relate to. In this moment, Peter's feeling guilty. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I just did what I did. He's feeling guilty. Second thing he's feeling is shame. He says, what if the other disciples find out what I did? What if they find out what I said? What if they find out that I'm a fraud, that I'm a fake, that I did and said those things that I did, even though I said I wouldn't do them? What are they going to think of me? Shame. Finally, he feels regret. I wish I could take it all back. I wish I could take it all back. I would wager that all of us, for sure many of us, at some point in our life, have experienced this in our very own lives. We've experienced guilt, we've experienced shame, and we've experienced regret. I can't believe I did that. What if someone finds out what I did and I wish I could take it all back? Maybe we didn't stand up for someone when we should have. Maybe we failed to keep a promise to our parents, to our spouse, to our kids, to a loved one, to a friend. Maybe we didn't show up for the job. Maybe we didn't do what we said we were going to do. Maybe it's a lie that we told. Maybe it's a lie that we continually told again and again and again and again. And we start to experience these things. I can't believe I just did that. What if someone finds out the truth now? What if they find out what I did, said, didn't do? And regret what? I wish I could take it all back. Now, these are all things that we experience when we sin. Now, here are three lies and this is the three lies I'm sure that Peter went through in his mind. Here are three lies, three things the enemy, Satan, says about us in our past. And this is why we have to let go of the past. And I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get ahead of my notes today. This is why we have to hold on to the presence of God. We have to hold on to the presence of Jesus. And we have to hold on to the, uh, the unconditional love of God. We have to hold on to his relentless pursuit of us. The fact that he takes us just as we are, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter where we're from, he takes us just as we are, no matter what. And we have to hold on to this truth because the enemy is going to say three things to you. Someone say three things. Put it in the comments. Three things. The, the first thing the enemy is going to say to you is you are unforgivable. What you have done cannot be forgiven. That is the biggest first lie that you will hear when you make a mistake. You are unforgivable. You have done too much. You've gone too far. God's not going to do it again. That is the biggest lie that the enemy will tell you. Psalm 38, 4. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. And you're absolutely right. It's why when Jesus comes to us, he takes away all of our guilt, all of our shame, and all of our fear. The second lie that the enemy tells us is he says that you are unlovable. If people really knew who you were, if people really knew what you did, they would not love you. That's the second lie. Do not believe these lies. This is the shame. He plays on the shame. We're feeling guilty, so he says you're unforgivable. You're feeling shame, and so he says you're unlovable. Genesis 3-7. Garden of Eden, Eden, Adam and Eve. In that moment, it says their eyes were opened. It says, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. And so they sewed together fig leaves to cover themselves. They tried to, to make up for it. Unlovable. That's the second lie that will be told to you when you make a mistake. You're unforgivable. You're unlovable. And finally, this is the big one. Insecurity comes in and we believe the lie. You are useless. What good are you? You made a mistake, you're unforgivable, you're unlovable, therefore you must be useless. 
What if it happens again? I can't help it, I can't stop it. I said I wouldn't and then I did. I said I would do this and then I didn't and then I followed the same pattern again and again and again and again. Therefore, I must be useless. How could God ever use a person like me? How could God ever use a sinner like me? I'm unforgivable, I'm lovable, I might as well just give up, what's the point? Useless. The enemy will whisper these lies from our past, like a cold winter blowing on a cold winter bitter day through the back door. Here's the problem. If you can't let go of your past, maybe write this down in the comments. If you can't let go of your past, you can't take hold of your future, right? So I have two doors. I'm in the office right now. I'm gonna turn the camera. I can hold on to that doorknob, which goes to the bathroom, or I could turn all the way around you can see, well, I can't turn it all the way around, but there's the door to get out, right? I could take you to that door and we could get out of, out of the building. I can't leave the building if I'm still holding on to this doorknob, right? They're too far away. I can't hold on to one and get out the other. I can't hold on to the past and take hold of the future that God has for me. If I continue to hold on to the past, which means I'm continually, continually believing the lies that I'm unforgivable, unlovable, and completely useless. I have to tell the devil where to go, to hell, where he belongs, quite literally. I don't tell anyone else to go to hell except for the devil because he lies, he deceives, and he takes away all that God has for us if we let him. If we let him have that stronghold in our life, he takes away our joy, he takes away our hope, and he takes away our future. But we have to hold on to the things of God, the love of God, the promises of God, and not listen to these lies that the enemy whispers to us. Because you can't let go of your past. If you can't let go of your past, you can't hold on to your future. If you can't let go of your past, you can't take hold of your future. Here's the good news today. Jesus doesn't leave us hanging on to our past. He comes to us when we need him the most. And how do we know this to be true? How do you say, say, Gary, I hear these words. I really like it. But how? How do we know that's true? How do I know that Jesus will love me? How do I know that I can be forgiven? How do I know that I can be used by God? And let me tell you right now, as we continue to read this story of Peter, we can trust that Jesus will do it for you because he did it for Peter. Because he did it for Peter. And he did it for you and he did it for me and he'll do it again and again and again and again and again. Now here's this beautiful thing about Jesus. He didn't even wait for Peter to come back to him, he went to Peter. And this is a message for another time, but if someone has wronged you, someone has hurt you, someone has done something to you, don't wait for them to come and apologize. Go and mend the bridge. It kind of goes back to the bitterness message a few weeks ago, but seriously, this is a message for another time to continue it on. Jesus didn't wait for Peter. Jesus went and found him. In fact, all of the disciples scattered. They all went back to doing the things that they used to do. And four of them were fishermen and they went back in their boat. And Peter's out in the boat on the lake with the other, some of the other disciples. And they're fishing. What's wrong with fishing? Absolutely nothing. But what is amazing about this story is that Jesus shows up and gives them the best fishing story of their lives. He appears to them from the shore and they haven't caught a single fish all day. These are professional fishermen and they're throwing their nets over the boat and they're catching nothing. And Jesus shows up and says, hey guys, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And they probably laugh him off going, Hey, we tried that already. That was, you know, you know, an hour ago, blah, 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 blah. And he says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And so they do. They say, what do we have to lose? They throw the nets on the other side of the boat. And there's so much fish that it starts to sink the boat. They, had, they couldn't even hold all the fish that they had caught. There is so much going on in the story that we don't have time to dive into it today. But if you're interested in doing a Bible study, go back and read the story and study it. There's so many cool, amazing things taking place in this moment. And Peter recognizes that this is not some ordinary fishing guru on the beach telling them what to do. It's not his father who was a professional fisherman. It's not his uncle. It's not his grandfather. He recognizes that this is Jesus, his Lord and Savior. And in that moment, he jumps out of the boat and he swims as fast as he can swim. He runs as fast as he can run and he gets to Jesus. And then they have this meal together, which might actually have been one of the most awkward meal times in the entire Bible. As they sit there quietly over some fish that they had caught, 
Peter knowing what he had done, Jesus knowing what Peter had done, not talking about it. And finally, Jesus says to Peter in this moment, Luke 21, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear, I mean, this is the thing, right? Jesus says to Peter, hey, I'm going to call you Peter, and you're going to be the rock that I build my church on. In this moment, he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon, son of John, which is his name. He's Simon Peter, son of John. Now, what's fascinating, of course, about this moment is that I don't, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I'd be out playing with my friends or just playing in the neighborhood, my mom would call me, you know, to come in for dinner or come in for the night. And she'd call Gary, you know, whatever, Gary. And if I didn't come, you always heard the full name, right? Gary Richard Aduno. And if you heard your middle name and your full name, you did not ignore your mother in those moments. You got up and you left and you went home right now. And so here is Peter sitting across from Jesus having this meal, awkward silence, and Jesus says, Simon, son of John. And Peter goes, oh no, full name, here it comes. And he's expecting a punishment. He's expecting a rebuke. He's expecting something harsh. And instead, Jesus asks him this simple question, do you love me? John 21, 15, 17 tells the story as well. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. He says, then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, and Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said to him. Jesus said again, Peter said, yes, I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt, it says, that Jesus asked the question a third time. It hurt his feelings. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, it's interesting that Peter was hurt. He must have been a millennial like myself. He must have been just, you know, one of these emotional wrecks. He's hurt by this moment. Jesus, why did you have to ask me three times? And, and here's, here's the reality, right? Is, is that Peter denied Jesus three times, and then here Jesus redeems Peter three times. The other thing that we have to pay attention to here is that we're not looking for a quick fix. We're not looking for just a hug, a handshake. We're just going to hug it out. We're going to make it better. No, Jesus is walking him through this healing process and recovery and restoration process. Now, the Bible tells us that no discipline is pleasant at the time. And in this moment, Peter's like, hey, now I'm getting a little bit offended. Now I'm a little bit hurt that you're talking to me this way. And he says to him, Lord, you know everything. You know everything that I've done. And it's like this moment of confession takes place. You know, you know it all. You know that I love you. And so Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. It's kind of like when you get a cut. Now, I, I hurt this finger this week, and I got a paper cut on this finger today, so both my hands, you know, when I type something, they, they hurt. But I don't know if you were, if you ever got a cut and someone put, like, hydrogen peroxide on it, and, like, they blow on it, which does nothing other than just distract you from the, the instant pain that it has, but you have to clean out the cut, right, if you want it to heal. And this is, this is exactly what happens in these moments, right? You have to clean out the wound for it to heal properly. And in these moments where, of restoration, we have to deal with the difficult stuff that we've been through of our past. We have to allow Jesus to bring healing, even if it hurts for a moment. Even if we're going through the trauma again, we have to go through it to allow the healing to take place so that God can give us a bright future. So how? How do we do that? Let's get to the meat of this before we run out of time and before you get too bored of me because my voice hasn't changed that much. How do we let go of our past? Because you can't change your past but God can change your future. Because if you hold on to the past, you're going to relive it again and 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 again. Every time you say, I won't, you will. Every say, I didn't want to, you do. Every time you say you're going to do something and you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. So you got to let go of the past so that God can change your future. And how do we do that? Well, the first one is this. First thing you got to do, close the door to the past. Well, that sounds really simple, Gary. How do you do that? It's as simple as this. 1 John 1.9 But if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now, some translations say unrighteousness or evil, but to cleanse us from every ounce of wickedness. You say, is it really that simple? And the answer is, yes, it is. The thing is, if you pause before the enemy has a chance to tell you the lies and you go, you start to feel that guilt. You go, I can't believe I just did that. You start to feel the shame. What if someone finds out? And the third thing, the third thing that, that happens this in those moments, we go, I got back to minutes because, you know, my memory is not very good. But he says, what, what if everyone finds out and then, I'm, and then I'm useless? Well, here's the thing. The moment you take a second and you own one the mistake, you confess your sins. And even James says, confess them to one another. It brings one accountability. It brings healing. It brings restoration. But here's the one, number one important thing that it does. Aside from understanding our need for Jesus in this moment and experiencing the overwhelming, relentless love of God in that moment, the other thing it does is it totally shuts down the lies of the enemy. Because you say, God, I know I made a mistake. Here I am confessing. Here I am on my knees before you. Lord, I need you. I'm confessing. And because God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, as has been proven time and time again, all of those lies of the enemy have no hold on us. All of those things become totally irrelevant. They don't stick to us because God is faithful and just to forgive us. And we've, we've confessed it out loud to him. We've had these moments and we said, look, Lord, this is where I am. This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what's happened. It takes away all of those lies of the enemy. It gives them nothing to stick to. But if we try to hide and cover up and we try to run away, we're holding on to the past and we're bound to do it again and again and again. And it's going to hold us back from moving forward. If we keep holding on to those things and never confessing them, we will never move forward in our faith. So the first step to closing the door on your past, confess your sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And he cleanses us from all of the wickedness that comes from our mistakes. He knows. He knows how we feel. He knows that we can be guilty. He knows that we can feel shame. And he knows that we can feel unloved and useless. And he simply asks Peter, hey, do you love me? He says he knows all the things that Peter went through. He knows that Peter made a mistake. And all he says, hey, do you love me? We know that grace from Jesus is bigger than our sins. And here's the beautiful thing about God. As our standing with God is not determined by rules. It's determined by the relationship we have with Jesus. Because Jesus didn't say to Peter, yeah, he went to him. And he said, okay, now Peter, you have to go and you have to pray this prayer so many times. Or you have to go and serve the, the needy and the poor. You have to go and sell all of the stuff. You have to go work hard. He didn't tell Peter any of that. All he said all he asked Peter was, do you love me? Do you love me? He didn't give him a laundry list of things to do to make up for his wrong. He says simply, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Which we're going to get to that second part here in a minute. Because our standing with God is not determined by the rules that we broke. Our standing with God is determined by the relationship we have with Jesus. And there's nothing that you could ever do that will ever change God's love for you. The only thing that you can change is if you're going to receive his love or not. And when we hold on to our past, what we are saying is this. When we hold on to the things that we've done, we refuse to confess them, when we refuse to give them to God, when we choose to believe the lies of the enemy, the power of our past, what we are saying is, the power of our past is stronger than the power of the cross. And the power of what I did is strong than what, stronger than what Jesus did for me. And that is just simply not, simply not true. Because nothing compares to the power of Jesus and the power of the cross. Nothing can compare to the power of what he has done for us. But every time we hold on to our past, it's another lie that we believe that my past is stronger. Sorry, the power of my past is stronger than the saving work of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus knew everything there was to know about Peter, and yet he still asked him, Peter, do you love me? He opens the door to reconciliation. 
He opens the door to a new beginning. He opens the door to a way forward. And yet every time we hold on to our past, it's like you and I decide to close the door. Now Galatians 4, 7 says this. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. We sing this song often in church. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. And he says in Galatians 4, 7. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Now, that's another message for another time. Incredibly powerful statement that you are a part of God's family. When you let go of your past, when you confess and you repent of your sin, you say, God, I need you. Here I am. He makes you a part of his family. John 1, 12 to 13 says this. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but birth that comes from God. 1 John 1, 12 to 13. You are not what you have done. You are not what you think you are, but you are who God says you are. Another song that we sing in church sometimes, I am who you say I am. Maybe go ahead and write that in the comments today. I am who you say I am. Let go of your past, close the door. The second, the second step here today is from, from letting go of your past is this. Let go of the past, step into the future. Is it really that simple? Yes, it is. How do we step into the future? Remember that God has saved you from the past so that you can step into the future. You are forgiven. You, you, you walk in freedom now. And, and, and this is where the feed my sheep comes into play. Jesus asked Peter the simple question, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, of course I love you. And then he gives him purpose, right? So he says, how could God ever use me? I'm useless because of all the things that I've done. And Jesus says, no, if you love me, go and feed my sheep. Go and do the things that I've called you to do. Go and do the things that I've showed you how to do. Go and be my hands and my feet. Not only does Jesus forgive, but he also reaffirms Peter's calling. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And Peter lives out the life that Jesus lived out. And he begins to build the church. And he redeems him and he restores him and reaffirms his calling. Because Peter's call is grounded in his love for Christ, not in his own perfect performance. Let me say that again so you don't miss it. Peter's call is grounded in his love for Christ, not in his perfect performance. Now, God can become, can use me because of my past, and I can show up to love the people that I don't even like because I am a new person. This is what walking in love of God, walking in the forgiveness of God looks like. Walking in, stepping into your future looks like. Because I am not who I used to be. I am who God says I am. I am a child of God. And the other thing that's true that you should probably write down and pay attention to is this, that God doesn't save us from something, but he also saves us for something. He doesn't just save us from our past, but he saves us for a future. He's got something for you to do. He's got a mission. He's got a task. He's got something that he's specifically outlined for you to do to make a difference here in this world, to bring honor and glory to God. And so answer this question today. They're going to be on the screen here in a few minutes. But what has God saved you from? What is God saving you from? Here's the big question that we're really answering here. What do I need to confess? And maybe for you right now, if you're with other people, it can be awkwardly silent in the room. But you say, what, what do I need to let go of in my past? What do I need to give to you, God? What do I need to say out loud and confess to you, God, so that my ears hear, my brain hears, and interprets what my ears are hearing from my own mouth, because in my heart, I love God. I want to be a part of his family, but I got to let go of the past. And so what are those things that God has saved you from? What are the things that God is saving you from? And maybe your prayer today is, God, I need you to save me from this. And so as you answer that question, I, I pray that you would be overwhelmed with the love of God here and now. 
I pray that you would just be filled with his spirit. You'd be filled with his love. You'd be filled with his peace. You'd be filled with his joy. As you answer this question and as, as you experience the forgiveness of God and the, the love of Jesus in this moment. Because remember, it's not about the things and the, and, and the rules that you broke that determine your standing with God. It's your relationship with Jesus that matters. And so as you confess your sin to him and say, God, what are you saving me from? What do you need to save me from? Here it is. Then ask the second question, God, what have you saved me for? And maybe this is where you're, you're at today. Say, Gary, I've taken these steps of faith on my journey. I'm just waiting for what's next. I'm waiting for those marching orders. And I would just say, maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you already know. And if you don't know, give me a call. Come stop by the church and we will work on this together. We will coach you and help you discover what it is that God is doing in your life in 2023. What is the next step? What is the big dream? What is the vision? What is it that God is calling you to next? Maybe you don't want 2022 to be like, or 23 to be like 22. You want to grow up. You want to move forward in your faith. And so we can work together on this to help determine what God has saved you for. And if you already know the what, and you just don't know the how, we're going to help you as a church family do the how. And this is why church family is important because we're all in this together. Some of us have gone down this road before. Some of us are at the beginning of the line. And so we can help one another and encourage one another. We can lift one another up. We can resource one another so that we can accomplish all that God has called us to do in 2023. So write down what God is calling you to do. And here's what I would suggest. As a goal that you have set this year, write it down on a sticky note and stick it on your bathroom mirror, stick it on your bedroom door, stick it on your door to the outside of your house, put it on your the windshield of your car on the inside or, or at your desk at work if you have such a thing or your locker at work, put it in your lunch bag, put it in multiple places what God is calling you to do because when you go out to work on Monday or Tuesday morning, you're not just going to work. If you're a student, you're not just going to school, you're not just going for coffee. You are stepping into your calling and you're stepping into the life that God has called you to live because God wants to use you. Yes, he wants to use you because you are forgiven, you are loved, and you are called. Write that in the comments today. Say, I am forgiven, I am loved, and I am called. I am forgiven, I am loved, and I am called. If you don't want to write it in the comments, just say it out loud to yourself right now. I am forgiven, I am loved, and I am called. Tomorrow is not an ordinary day. You might go back to the same job you've always had. You might go back to class. You might go back to school. You might go back to the same place you go to for coffee. But the thing is this, is it's not the same as it always was because today you're stepping into your calling into the life that God has called you to live because God wants to use you. He wants to use you, an imperfect person, to impact this world because God has placed a call in your life. And if you don't believe me, every story you read in the Bible, God uses imperfect, unqualified people every single day to do incredible, extraordinary things. And so tomorrow is not an ordinary day. This week, this year is not another year, even if you're in the same job, because today you step into the calling that God has called for you to live. And God wants to use you. That's what I have for you today. That's what I have as we start out this year together. That God would use you for great and mighty things. Hopefully, you've taken something away. Hopefully, it wasn't too boring today. Hopefully, you put something out and say, Okay, God, I know that what you have for me is a good, bright, beautiful, blessed future. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I didn't say it wasn't going to be hard. I didn't say that there wasn't work that had to be done. But the simple fact is this, let go of your past so that you can walk into the future that God has called you to and God has equipped you for and God wants to use you to in this next year. With that said, my name once again is Gary. We're praying for you. We're cheering you on. We want to see you live out everything that God has called you to do this year. And we trust that no matter what happens in this year, you will hold on to the future that God has promised you. Hold on to a life that is blessed by him so that he can use you to be a blessing to bring hope to this world this year. Step into your call. Don't worry about the past. Confess and forsake it all. Let God redeem you. Let God restore you. Let God cleanse you so that you can move forward in the things that he's called you to. We'll talk to you later and we trust that God will bless you real soon. 
worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Love to those 
trust in you alone and I will not be shaken I will build my life upon your love it is a Yeah.